you do. You're getting so big. How old are you now, Zoe? Four. Four. Gosh, and you just rattled that off. Golly. Are you much better at drums now? Say yep. Yeah. He's gonna be now. <laughs> no, don't. You don't have to show them right now. There they go. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you can see them in the corner. She was headed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Chapter Eleven of Share the Story. Today's chapter is called Playing from the Heart, and when we started this podcast, I had the the issue of trying to figure out how to craft the intro, how to craft the outro, what to ask, the questions to ask my guests, and how to interview and craft an interview and things like that, and those are things that are still uh, uh, pieces of this, whole, of this whole puzzle that I do think about, but what I started to realize is that if I begin to turn off my brain essentially at certain parts and really just live what I've been trying to do as this with this podcast which is get people to share their story and inspire others to do the same then I was really able to break it down focus in on what was important and just have a conversation with my guests and I was able to get so many more engaging uh shows out of just essentially just going from the place of passion rather than a place of strong logistics of and and those have their place you know the more that more reps that I get the more that I realize okay I want to do this I don't want to do that and so on and so forth and so the logistics begin to work themselves out but if I started from a place of passion I was able to find so much more and I was able to to reap so much more than I would have otherwise, right? And that's what my buddy and I, uh, Chazare Shank, my guest today, were able to get into talking about playing from the heart and how that relates even not just to uh, playing music, which is the many of the contexts of which I know him in, as a drummer and, and uh, as a musician, you know, but how that relates to his personal life, you know, his, his life growing up, his life as a father, as a husband. We really get to talk about a whole lot of really great things, and I hope you enjoy it. This is Chapter 11. I've been Michael Baylor. You know what? And we'll catch you on the other side. That's awesome, man. Uh, man, how, when did you start playing? Playing drums? We've already started recording, by the way. Okay. Yeah. When did you start um, playing? Started playing drums. Really, I've uh, come from a family of drummers, so it's been in me um, all my life. From what my parents say, it's like sort of like Zoe has been just picking up sticks from, you know, Right. From the beginning, as mm-hmm. early as I could get my hands on them. But um, my parents have told me stories about like them thinking my older brother had set up his drums to play. And it was me mm-hmm. when I was about two or three and wow. the drums weren't set up, but I went and set them up and played them. So I've been playing basically all my life, man. But really uh, learning from my brother. My dad didn't play a lot. Um, he played some when I was younger, but I remember my brother playing more than anything. And so because I remember you told me one time that that your brother was really known more so right excuse me as the as the drummer right yeah even back home um i mean people know now like especially for like facebook friends and stuff they know that i play but before that i mean i wasn't really too known for it um right there i was more known for wrestling than anything oh right right right. which he was too but you know i kind of i don't want to say i grew up in a shadow but i just came behind him so they knew him right Mm-hmm. Um, and then they got to know me, but for drums, they always talked about him, which was fine for me because I kind of could fly under the radar and right. learn 
you know, from him. But um, I got a little more serious about it, as you know, you know, getting to college and everything and meeting yeah. his friends and stuff. How much older was he? Um, he's five and a half years older. Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah. So growing up, um, it's one of those things where you really can't, you really don't know who somebody's going to become. So for me, like I, I grew up playing behind him, playing like, uh, you know, percussion and stuff like that behind him at church. Right. Just like exal- uh, um, auxiliary stuff. Yeah. All the exi- auxiliary stuff. And, um, and my mom was a, uh, the choir director. And of course my dad played too. So uh, right. really learning behind him, behind my brother, um, it's one of those things where what he, whatever he was doing, I was doing. <laughs> right, 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 right. So even though I wasn't on the drums, I was still learning what he he did. So um, in the beginning, I sounded just like him. At this point, we mm. don't sound anything alike, but um, because you're not supposed to. But um, that's how I learned a lot of what I need to learn. We listened to all the same stuff. Um, of course, I was copying him as as much as right. with everything. So all of my roots go back to what he listened to back then. Yeah. So did. Did you, did you, you didn't take lessons or anything? It was pretty much most just, just listening to him and trying to replicate what he was doing. Yeah. Listening to him, listening to like, you know, old gospel albums and stuff like right. that. Um, learning that way. But uh, I still want to, you know, take lessons at some point. It just hasn't happened yet. Sure. But, now, um, when you, when you talk about like, so it wasn't passed down necessarily from your parents, even though you're, you said your dad played I would, it was more. I would say it did. Yeah. You think so? Yeah, it was a natural thing. I mean, I don't, I, I really don't remember them ever sitting down with me like, hey, this is how you do it. I've just always known how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's right. I don't want to say it's weird. I, I know it's a gift. And even, you know, the singing part, I can sing some. I don't, I just don't use it. Right. But um, I got that from my mom too. Uh, right. Because so. they were, I feel like I remember you telling me they were in a group or something like that, right? Yeah, that's how my parents met. They were, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, that, uh, that crowd is. They said they met in a rock and roll band. That's what. That's what my right, mom right, 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 right. It was like an R and B soul type band. Uh huh. Uh, my dad was the drummer. And my mom was the singer. So okay. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um. How that yeah. So you just kind of grew up around all that. Then. Yeah, I just grew up around music all my life, man. And really, mainly in, in the church, um, more mm-hmm. than anything. Like like a lot of people, just always being in church and um, always being right around the instruments. Um, right as possible in the choir really a lot at first and then as i got a little older um, my mom let me start getting around mm-hmm. the, uh, the percussion and stuff like that and the drums yeah so um so going forward i guess when you uh when you really started when was it that like you started playing and not like just behind your brother um my brother as he got a little older he's probably like I'd have to check with him, but he was probably like 15, 16 from what I remember, right, right uh-huh. around age in high school where he started being asked to come and play um, for different people. So we, okay. that, yeah, we needed it in church um, for somebody else to play. Also, the, the first time I really ever played, I always knew how to play, but I was always um, nervous and scared to do it. Right. Really, really shy. Um, was at my grandfather's funeral. Like, I loved him to death. My brother had, he wrestled too, like I said, my brother had uh, broken his wrist. And so he couldn't really play. And so nobody's on the drums, you know, black church, black church. Right, 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 right. You know, there's music. So um, he had, uh, he didn't want to play one with one arm. He's like, man, go up there. He basically forced me to do it. And that was the first right. time I ever played. And then after that, it's when all those doors started opening for him not long after that. And so I started playing more. 
So that was the first time you said that's the first time you started playing. That's like the first time you played played in front of people. Yeah. Wow. Was that your grandfather's funeral? Yeah, I was uh, 11 from what I remember. So I knew how to play all my life. I was just scared to play in front of people. Yeah. You know, on the drums, because it was like I was by myself at that point. Nobody was playing yeah. with me. And so. okay. So were you playing behind a group or something like that? Yeah, I mean it was, you know, like, like somebody was singing or something like that. Yeah, like somebody started singing and then I just had to play it. So Right. You just had to pick it up. Right. Yeah. Well, how did that develop? Uh just playing like that, playing basically playing by ear. Um, mm-hmm. like I said, man, uh Growing up in church, it was really a blessing. I know for sure now, um, with my mom being the choir director, that trust mm-hmm. was there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. your mom's there, that trust is there, and you better do what she's telling you to do. Right, 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 right. <laughs> At the same time, um, you know, my dad would come to church. Um, he wasn't in there as much then, but when he was there, it made me pay attention. So he'd be sitting in the audience, and then I'm watching my mom too. So they're both kind of directing me from their their right. Which is really, you know, it's a really cool thing to be exposed to. Um, so if it was a song that I didn't understand, usually it was my mom giving me, you know, kind of rocking her body and telling me, okay, you right. this, and then I would play it and she would let me know what's right. Um, and then my dad, one thing my dad told me early was, and it, it really worked later on, was uh, always play from your heart. Mm. Always give it, a, give it your all and just play from your heart and uh, just trust your heart, trust what you, you know, feel like you're supposed to be doing. And um, between them two and being exposed to having to play by ear and play on the spot, I mean, that that helps me a ton even now. Yeah. Yeah. When did you figure out how to play from the heart? Because I feel like that's that's easier said than done. Right. Yeah. Um, You know what I mean? Like, because it's essentially what you're saying is like, take take the thought out of it. Right. You know, Um, like when people say, like, stop thinking about it. I mean, it's like most things. um, You don't want to. I mean, it's the same concept to me as muscle memory. It's like mm-hmm. you work at it and work at it, and then it becomes natural. Mm-hmm. So for me back then, it was, um, you know, the, the small things, really listening right. to everything, being open to everything. And then, you know, as the situation opens, it's like, you know, if you're singing or if you're, especially if you're a musician, it's like, okay, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing this. And pretty mm-hmm. soon I just started doing what I felt like I was supposed to be doing. And then I got that feedback that was right. And right, then, right. Instead of a, you know, instead of like not doing, yeah, yeah. You know. you're not doing too much. Yeah, I mean, you're doing too much. I was never that person that was really doing too much. I was always the person that wasn't doing enough. Right, 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 right. I had to learn to like jump almost to the other end of things and then come back and then come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it started early. It started in church for me, but it really, I think, I can say it really started to develop when I got to college. I started playing for a gospel choir with uh, mm-hmm. Delonte. And then at church um, at Cornerstone, right? Come in, it was just an interesting thing. Um, I know it's a God God sent thing now, um, where people would always come in if we're playing. If there was a guest, mm-hmm. they would always look at me and say, you know, push, push here. Uh, but when they told me to, it always it always lined up with what I felt like I was supposed to be doing. Right, 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 right. That confirmation, like, yeah, you are supposed to be doing that. And so that kept happening over and over, push, push, or Pastor Hunt would tell me, push here, push here. Mm-hmm. And the more, it was just like, little by little, I was growing in that way and trusting right. myself. And pretty soon, I mean, whenever I got that look from anybody, I was already thinking it. So I just trusted it even more. Right. And now, even now, no matter what I play, I feel like um, when I'm supposed to feel 
a space or push something, it's just there. I mean, it's, it's supposed to happen and it always embellish, embellishes something. Right. That's, that's what I want to do anytime I play. What was your major in college? My major was actually electronic media. Okay. Broadcasting, yeah. And um, what was, what were you hoping to do with that? Um, I still want to do some stuff with it. Um, I grew up, man, loving movies, which I still do, mm -hmm. stuff like that. But I wasn't one of those people that was going to just move to California or something. And right, right, right. At the same time, um, going to school, I didn't really know I wanted to do that. I actually was in between different things. I thought I wanted to be a teacher at first. And then um, I still love to, you know, help people out and inspire people and teach and stuff like that when I can musically. But it came around and I, I found out about that, that choice. Um, to to do that degree, I was like, man, that'd be cool. You know, I love movies. I feel like I know what things are supposed to look like. I always have ideas, right? Like that. Um, so it was going into it, just feeling like, okay, I may use this. And I've always talked about writing a movie or writing a movie, right, story. right. And so I was like, man, this makes sense. I'll use it down the road. And I never thought about. At this point, I know things that I would use it for, but at that that point, I didn't really have a plan. It was like, okay, right. I know I like this. And I want to go to school for something I feel like I like and that I'll right. eventually at least, you know, I don't know if I'll use it now. I hope I do at the time, you know, that was my thinking. But um, I mean, you never know. So I was just like, OK, I want to do something. I don't want to just go waste time, you know, in school. Right. Not ever even want to use it. I'm <laughs> like some people I know. Um, right. But coming back to that, I mean, I can use it in so many ways now. I mean, with right recording you know even music stuff now and yeah. but it all to me it all went back to movies because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just, i always grew up loving movies and stuff like that so and then when i got in there and got into my degree it was so easy to me it, it was like confirmation i was supposed to be there doing right, right. Like editing and all that i actually enjoy that a lot so right all that was really cool to me and once i got there i really i mean my grades jumped <laughs> at that yeah. point it was fun yeah yeah yeah. So what? So what happened then there thereafter? Because it sounds like you didn't want to, or didn't have like a strong desire to be a quote unquote professional musician. Um, at the time, I I, I can't say I, at the time I I didn't want to be. Um, it's it's like one of those things where I was slowly kind of figuring out who I want to be, uh, which I just in general. Yeah, yeah, in general. Um, so still even now it's all coming together. You know, mm -hmm. like I know now it's like, man, you can't let go of music, even if you tried like you right. do it in some kind of way. But at the time I'm like, okay, I got to go to school for something. And I actually did think about going for music and went and talked to them about it and everything. But at that point I was like at the end of my sophomore year and they were saying, it's going to take, you know, coming back and taking this and this. Yep. No, yeah. I, I was, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, man. They just kind of destroyed that dream. And then, on the other end of things, after that, all my friends were like, man, you don't need to, you don't want to hate it. Right. You know, right. Don't worry about it. Um, anything you want to learn will teach you. I had a lot of people tell me that over and over. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to worry about it. And then that's when I decided to do electronic media and broadcasting after that. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I had, I was just kind of, I don't want to say all over the place following school. It was just so many options. Um, I had options back home. Um, to do that kind of fell through. Um, and then I met people along the way too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I met my wife um, the last semester of school. Right. She was coming in. And so it's like, man, 
I moved away for a little bit, but then I came back. I'm like, it doesn't make sense for me to be gone because everything right. I knew was right there and boom. And then from there, it was really like, okay, how can I be here? You know, and so mm -hmm. slowly but surely, my degree kind of got pushed aside more and more. Right. Uh, so I was just, you know, getting jobs and stuff like that. And then um, I started playing with like Mike Alvarado and people like that. Right, right. So the shift started moving more towards the musical um, sense for me even more. Yeah, so because that's that shift started happening sometime what thereafter the gospel choir days or yeah, I mean even, even then um, once I basically I graduated from school in December of two thousand five. That's been a long time, and uh, <laughs> and I came back in August of two thousand six. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of plugged back in. I plugged plugged back in strong with church and um, started playing there all the time. But then I went back to gospel choir too and started helping them. I just felt like I was supposed to be there, mm -hmm. uh, not just to learn, but just to push. I've always just believed in pushing something to a different level. So I felt like I was supposed to be there, which plugged me in musically like crazy um, and really helped my friendships to, you know, start building friendships early there. Yeah. Um, and that's when, when some of those connections started. Yeah. That's when, when I, like I was always around Michael Alvarado then right. we were playing together. Um, Michael I mean, honestly, that's, I think that's where we met. Yeah. I met you there. Um, I already knew like people like Frankie Lancaster, um, mm -hmm. Michael Gregory would always help me out. Uh, right. Wise and stuff like that, which is crazy where he is too now. Um, it's just all my relationships were there and, you know, in gospel choir, really. Between right, choir right. And church, um, I met a ton of people and fell in love with people and yeah. fell in love with music from there too. Um, that's yeah. when I, I can say that's probably when I first started believing in myself musically was right around that mm. time. Yeah. Yeah. And because and so that was, you know, a year or so after you graduated. Yeah. By the time that you from what you're saying that you really start that you really felt like you started to believe in yourself. Right. Yeah. I mean, from the from the moment that I met you, which was probably around two thousand and seven. Yeah. I thought you were like phenomenal. Even I, then, you know. You yeah. know, comparatively to like, you know, seven or eight years later, you know, by right. the time you moved or, or whatever. Yeah. And so and for you to have been playing drums for that long, it took you that long to really feel like you believed in yourself. Um. Yeah. I mean, in a sense, musically, it did. Yeah. I can look back along the way and I can see where everything led up to that point. Like, um, I mean, it was always like a trial. Just like, mm -hmm. don't don't. Don't stop believing that you can do this. Right. I mean, even going back to before that, uh, to my wrestling days, um, I started wrestling because I was always told I was too small to do like basketball mm. and football and stuff like that. Later right, on, right, right. we could play football once they seen my build and, and what I was doing on the wrestling. <laughs> but um, really, my brother was a wrestler, but he I would always go early. I was in like fifth, sixth grade um, going to wrestle with the middle school kids and learning then mm -hmm. so i was always seen as being small um but mm -hmm. because of that i had to kind of persevere through that so like that mentality of you can do this started really early for me mm -hmm. and i would always tell myself um you know this is what you're gonna do you're gonna be the best in the county that's what that was the biggest thing in the middle school at that time you know by the time you leave and then i accomplished that and i got to high school and you know I told myself I would win states by my senior year, 
in high school. And then that was probably the biggest building block. And it always, it, for me, I can always look back to that point because um, there was a guy I wrestled about five or six times and I always lost to him by one point. Right. So it was like really demoralizing for me. It's like, I mean, you can't, you just can't beat this dude. And you right. got to, to accomplish your goal or, you know, there's no way that you're going to do it. So um, finally it came down to my very last match and I beat him. Yeah. So at that point, I'm like, man, okay, you can, you can do anything you put your mind to at that point. Cause that was right. one hurdle. I didn't think I could get over. Yeah. Cause that was that at, at the time. I mean, now it probably seems like small beans, but at the time that seemed like the insurmountable hurdle. Right. Right. And it, it was just big for me because um, I needed to believe in myself that I could do mm. a lot of this stuff. So, you know, even coming back to musically now, um, my mindset is like, okay, you know, though you haven't gotten to your goals, you haven't reached your goals and you've, you've reached a lot of them, but you haven't, hit the big ones that you have. Right. Um, you've done all that stuff in the past. And it even, I mean, I've been out of school, high school for years now, but it's little things like that, that remind me to keep going and that I can't do it. I, I can. Right. I, when I was working with you, I guess is, is a better way to put it. When I was working with you, I felt like in a lot of ways, you were a mentor musically in a lot of ways. Um, even maybe, I don't know if you saw yourself that way or not, and maybe you can answer if you did or not, but I know for me, uh, I saw you as a, as a musical mentor in a lot of ways. Um, do you ever see yourself like that as you're playing with people? Because from, from one standpoint, a drummer is somebody who is going to set the tone and set the pace, right. uh, literally and figuratively for the whole band and for the whole piece and composition. Right. Right. Um, so uh, you know, do you, did you ever see yourself like that? You know, was that something that kind of made its entrance into what you're doing? Because, you know, I mean, to a certain degree, I would, I would think you would have to considering the fact that like, you know, even now people want you yeah. to play with them. Um, I've never even thought about it like that. Um, it makes right. me hear you say it like that. But, um, for me, I wouldn't use the word mentor. I was always looking to, um, mm -hmm just kind of push to the next level for whoever it was. Yeah, yeah. That was my mindset. Um, now, at this point, I, I think of it as inspiring people. Um, mm. That's that's what I go into it doing um, and hoping to do, but always to push to a different level. Um, it's never been about me. Like, I've, I've just never been that person. But um, coming in and even thinking about, you know, when I play with you and other people, it was never like, I'm going to mentor this person. It was like, right. instead of like, what can I do to jump can I help make this it better? Yeah. 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 It's like, man, I'm just, how can I just be a servant to this project Yeah, and, and push this thing to as, as big as it can be. And that's right. the, like, my mindset now. It's like, I, it's, it's interesting that you call it mentor, like a mentorship um, type deal. And I appreciate that you, you thought right. I had no clue. Um, and I don't know who else has thought that, you know, since then either, but, um, even to be thought of that way is, is really, it's really cool to me. Yeah. Cause I mean, especially when you think about it from the standpoint, and I think th that, I think that people can tell when you play. Um, and, and I guess later on, we'll talk about where people can hear you play um, more specifically. But when, when, when I hear you play, you can hear how you're playing more from the heart than you are from the head. Right. Right. And so if nothing else, 
at the end of the day, like, I feel like that piece is, is what kind of helps to inspire and help to mentor other people, right. especially somebody like me, who at the time when I met you was only like 17, 18, well, 18 or 19 years old. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like, so trying to figure out how do I actually play from, from a passion standpoint instead of like from a, I don't know, I mean, for lack of a better term, cognitive standpoint, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way, and just kind of go, to go back to all that, um, the way I can really summarize it is, and I, I'm, I've learned to tell people because I'm learning it for myself now. Um, you learn to play from your heart and learn to play with you, you know, with feeling, but practice comes into play too. Like you have to practice mm-hmm. so you can play what you feel like you're supposed to be playing. Because when I play from my heart, um, if I'm really playing from my heart, like I don't think anymore. I just react. Right, right. These sort of, you know, water, you know, be like water. Um, whole concept comes into play. Um, yeah. I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan. I hadn't really thought about it, but I can see um, before, but I can see where it comes into play as a musician even. Yeah. Um, um, but practice comes into play because you know what you're supposed to do. After that, you're not really thinking anymore. You know, the more right. you play a song and even more, the more that you get into a situation that's similar to what you've been in before, mm-hmm. um, you learn to trust yourself by playing more and more and more. You find your voice, but practice is crucial. But at the same time, you have to trust yeah. that what you're doing um, is going to work. And yeah. that was always the hard part for me. That's why it always ties back into you can the whole you can do this. You can trust yourself. Basically, mm. what I learned. Trust what you're feeling. Trust your heart. And so, um, you know, when you say that I'm more playing from my heart, now I've learned to play from my head, too. So mm. like I'm, I'm letting go, but at the same time, I know what I'm doing. Like, I, yeah. I, never, I never lose that sense anymore like I used to. Yeah. And, and there's, and that's a really good thing to concept to even, to even muse on further. Cause when you think about it, like, and it might not necessarily be music for me because I don't know if I'm that proficient to be able to, to say that or, or whatever the case may be, there's a point I think you can get to with something that you're so familiar with it that right. you could both be, uh, you could both be kind of freewheeling, but at the same time, right. Be kind of thinking about the next steps as you're doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't know why, but I thought I think about basketball players when I think about it. Like they've yeah. been groomed, especially those who are professional. They've been groomed all their life to play this game. And so yeah. so by the time they get to that point, you know, especially us as people who aren't playing professional basketball, we're looking at people and we're saying, you know, they got to think when they do this, this and this, right. and this and this and this is coming. Well, I think they are. But at the same time, it's happening within a fraction of a second. So yeah. you, you have to right. lose, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. I mean, everybody talks about him. We're from like close around the Charlotte area, but Steph Curry, um, yeah, at least close enough to Charlotte to know who Steph was, right? What he, right. what he is now. But um, I mean, even taking him for example, the way that he practices or even does his pregame, you know, all that mm-hmm. is practice. But when he gets out there, he's just reacting. He's mm-hmm. thinking, though because he has to think, okay, what's the other team doing, and how do I react and and get off what I know I can do. Like that's mm-hmm. that concept to me even still comes into play for me and really yeah. for a lot of different people. It's like, okay, this practice is going to come into play and I got to trust that what I've, what I've um, practiced up to and the level I practice up to is good. And then once you, to me, once you have that in your arsenal, that's when you can push to a different level because you mm-hmm. already trust what you already have in your bag. You're not doubting anything. Mm-hmm. And then you can explore. And it's like, man, I did that. I didn't know I could do that. 
And then when right. you hit that point, that's when you start trying to stay at that point, and then you just keep moving from there. That's how you keep growing. Yeah. yeah. How has that played out in your life moving forward now that you're a dad? Yeah. You know, I mean, we're not to get, I guess, get too much in your business or whatever. I guess that's the point of the podcast. But like, um, were you guys really planning and and trying to to have um, have a to have a kid when you when you did? Because it was pretty early, fairly early on after. Yeah, got yeah. it was like basically <laughs> right after we uh, got married. Um, not too long after we got married, we found out we were expecting. But um, yeah, I mean, we weren't really planning. We had talked about it, but yeah. To me, it was, now how's to me? It yeah, was go ahead. Surprise, but for my wife, it was <laughs> by her. Right. right. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I don't know if anybody's ever really ready to be right. Able. It's always going to be scary at first, but then, um, I could say when, when the kid gets there, when the, when the child is born to me, it's like everything that's in, inside of you awakens, you know, you were ready, more ready than you realized. Right. Right. Started, but you're still always developing into a better parent as you are a better person. Like right. everyday thing for me. Yeah. Well, I was also, cause I was thinking about it from the standpoint of like, from the standpoint of like really believing in yourself as, as a parent, yeah. you know, because even though like you, you, you can never really be ready. I mean, there are times where people are planning to have kids and they think right. they're in a much more, you know, able place in their life to, yeah. to foster the life of a kid. Right. Yeah. Like, is it one of those? Because you had nine months to get ready to be a parent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a way. I mean, and still, looking back now, I can't say I would have done things differently because I don't, I didn't, I don't want anything to have changed. If that makes right. sense, it's like though I want, I would have wanted things to be a little different than they are now. I still, I don't take for granted what we walked through to get to this point. Um, right. But leading up to <laughs> to her being born. Yeah, there's time to get ready, but you're still not really ready. Like to me, right. somebody could be ready monetarily, but still themselves not be ready to be a, a dad. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean that that comes into play because um, the thing about a kid, the thing that's cool and, and scary at the same time about being um, a father or you know for me or a parent in general is that this kid thinks you're a superhero. Basically, there's nothing right. you can do wrong unless you're just treating them bad every day but even still they love you anyway it's like that just unconditional love they were all supposed to have it's in every kid right so to me that was a scary thing once i really realized that it's like man i can't do anything wrong so i didn't want to do anything wrong Mm -hmm. that's not Mm -hmm. possible (laughs) you know what i mean right 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 i was telling somebody before i think uh, and not being a parent is it's still a theoretical but i think having been a kid, I, I guess I could say from that standpoint, I think what parents think is going to screw up their kid doesn't, but mm-hmm. the stuff that they never even think about that they probably will never remember is the stuff that the kids will right. carry with them for the rest of their lives. You know yeah, what I mean? I mean, all that's kind of scary, but at the same time too, like we were saying before, trusting yourself has, it comes into play. Right. And you have to, um, you have to pay attention, man. That's, that's the best thing I could say. Pay attention for me pay attention to what everybody else is doing, what my wife's Mm -hmm. telling me, you know, it's one of those things if she's like, Hey, you're doing this or, Hey, you're actually on your phone a little too much and you're not paying as much attention as you think you are, which Mm -hmm. we, I can, I'll tell the world that happened recently. Right. 
because for me, like what I do now, I'm working at home and my whole plan daily was to get off, you know, get off of work and my head goes into, okay, what's been going on today instead of what I was supposed to be doing, not because she said it, but actually what I know I was supposed to be doing or believed even that I was doing um, was to put myself into my family's right for the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's things like that. Just being open. When she told me that it changed, you know, immediately because it's like, okay, man, I don't want to waste a day with my, yeah. it's one thing um, my wife told me early is something she heard was something crazy. And I, I never looked it up, but a statistic that um, most parents say an average of like something small, like under 200 words to their kid a day. Yeah. I think Becky was telling me that actually, yeah. And, she was telling me something like that a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And that was crazy to me. And I heard that early. So I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to do that to my kid. So even yeah. growing, you know, when, when she was born, we never did baby talk or anything. We mm-hmm. had to talk to her. So for right. me, that was like practice. <laughs> I mean, Zoe's always been one of the more, I mean, for all the attitude and sass she has, I mean, she's always been one of the more well-spoken children I've ever, I mean, Right. She just doesn't sound anytime I've ever remember talking to her. She just doesn't sound the age that she is. Right. And I think that's why. I mean, you yeah. you get out what you put in. It really it really. Yeah. Is okay. So for me, I, I started practicing early, you know, going back to the practice concept. Just just talk to her. So now mm-hmm. I feel like I can talk to her. We both can. And she is, you know, really beyond her years in so many yeah. ways. And um, yeah, I mean, and so going back to the parenting thing is trusting yourself. So trusting trusting myself trusting my wife um because yeah. she, like she's on the outside looking in so that you know you have to trust that person because you you think you're doing something but you're not able to watch yourself like a right right so and just trusting um other people and always trying to be better every day yeah now is music one of the things i mean is music the thing you and zoe connect most on no, I mean, actually, no, not really. She's really taken to it, but yeah, she's taken to it. But it's uh, I had a conversation with a friend the other day. It's um, nothing that I pushed on her at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't really pushed on me in a way. It was because we were going to church and I was going to sing whether I wanted to or not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> My right. mom made me do that, but um, no, I've never really pushed pushed it on her. Um, if we're around each other, especially if we're going somewhere, I always. The way that I put music on her is I make her listen to stuff that isn't like on the radio. Right. Yeah. You can be open to everything. I listen to everything. So I'm like, I want her to be open to all those things. She sees that I play play uh, drums and stuff like that. And these people that I'm around, she wants to know those people. Um, yeah. She's just open to it. So she's seen me playing drums. She wanted to get on the drums. And so now she has a drum set. But when I practice, I don't tell her, okay, so you need to come and practice now. I'll hear a knock at the door as she'll walk in and want to play. Me, I just, you know, just like in life in general, um, as a parent, I just want her to be happy. I just want to push Mm -hmm. her in a direction she's supposed to go because she'll she'll go in that direction. Um, But musically, I just trust that she really wants to do it. The opportunity's there. I know so many people at this point, and I know it's just going to continue to grow, but um, to the point now where if I want to get violin lessons or you know, cello lessons, stuff yeah. like that we have access. Like, I feel like you meet people to help each other grow. And yeah. musically, for me, it's like, man, if she wants to go in that direction, awesome. I've, I've got people to help yeah. her do that. I'm not going to make her play the drums. Yeah. 
you know, I, I believe that's in her already. So I wouldn't make her do that. Right, 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 right. I mean, yeah. especially to to hopefully or not hopefully, but at the expense of of driving her away from it. Right. Yeah. Driving her away from the music. Right. And that's what I can really appreciate about my parents. They never really made me do anything. If that makes right. Um, yeah. Once I once I started something, they wouldn't let me quit it. And I can really I can mm -hmm. still appreciate that now because I don't I really don't know how to quit anything. <laughs> right. It's good and bad sometimes. But um, yeah, I mean, they never forced me to stay in it. So I have that I have that mindset. It never forced me to, to do something. So I have that mindset with her, too. But I, I think she'll be I think she'll be a musician. Like, I am yeah. just watching her every day and the way she does things. She'll do something that involves music. Well, what are you hoping for musically and, and as a father to a to a musician and, you know, having kind of invariably pass that down to her and, and different things like that? What are you hoping for for yourself musically and for for your family? Man, for me, I'm hoping to just have the opportunity to help other people. Because yeah. when I go in before it was the concept of um, I want to help people grow, help their music grow. But now I understand that I can change lives hmm. all around them. So. You know, I want to come and be and be positivity all the way around, like not yeah. in a fake way. I want them to know who I am, where I'm coming from, and yeah. develop a friendship, which is something we learn early and learn in church like crazy, man. You know, developing that friendship and then that bond is there, and then you can really show people what life is really about. Mm. In the long run, the music will take care of itself. Again, that comes back to the practice and all that and trusting who you are. But what really matters for me, I don't want to just be remembered as, man, he was an amazing musician. You know, he won Grammys and all this and that. I want people to be like, but no, that who that person was, man, he changed my life. Yeah. Like, my actual life. Yeah. About things differently. That's the way that's, that's where I'm coming from. But I want to um, really have the opportunity and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but um, I kind of do, but still working on, on the steps to do it, but to rub shoulders with people that I've always looked up to. Which yeah, I already started in small ways, um, but I, I want to get out there a little more, just have more access to people. Um, because to me, music changes lives. Yeah. And there's nothing that can really um, affect people like music can. Yeah. Yeah. Like one other thing that, you know, we know yeah. <laughs> what can really change people. But the fact that music can bring people together the way it is the way it can and the fact that I've been blessed to be able to do it. Yeah. I, I don't take that for granted. And so um, I feel like the more people that I can meet, the more people I can get around and say, Hey, you know, this is awesome. You're going to do this and this, but who are you really? Like, are mm -hmm. you really doing mm -hmm. everything you're supposed to be doing? You know, do you really need to be doing that? Or are you supposed to be focused here? That kind of thing. And really developing relationships. Um, I want to do that. But um, I feel like in a, a crazy way that I'm, almost paving a way for not just other people, but for my daughter too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's been weird, man. It's like everything that I've, I've gone through, I can look back and I see somebody else I know going through it, but as, yeah. as I went through it, they didn't have to go through it as bad after that. Mm -hmm. In so many ways, I have so many like examples of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just want to be a trailblazer to change people. I, I mean, I don't yeah. hear about those people that are doing, that stuff. They're just out there trying to make, make it big or make a lot of money, stuff like that, which is awesome and great. But 
when all is said and done, when I'm sitting home and nobody's there, I want to know, okay, I, I'm changing lives. Like, man, he's, he's not who he was. Yeah. You know, before yeah, I met. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Not who she was before I met, met them. You know, they, they've grown musically and as a person too. That's, yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I know who you play with these days, but, uh, but, but who, who are you, who are you playing with? Um, these days I actually kind of took a step back a little bit. Um, been playing with the Jonathan Scales Orchestra. I was with them for about a year and a half. Right. They're still doing, still doing amazing things. Um, Jonathan's yeah, he's outstanding. Yeah. In person, man. So the uh, everything he comes up with, you know, it's coming. It's starting to come from the heart even more now. Um, right. Right. See this video, and I hope he appreciates that. But um, yeah. I mean, he's just one of those musical geniuses that we. Yeah don't see but every so often and to be taking his instrument and putting it in, in the capacity and into the form that he is putting it at now it's just crazy so yeah I play with him um really just playing with whoever needs me at this point besides right. that um and really concentrating on home a little bit more and on me for um because like I said before I've always been the type of person that put myself out there for other people but I never stopped to work on chats like what what is right. so that's kind of where i am right now and almost almost feel like i'm prepping for whatever's coming next mm -hmm. um but melissa reeves i play with her um whenever i can when she's close to town uh but food is another band out of boone you still play with them yeah i play with them for a prince tribute oh wow <laughs> that, that yeah. must have been fun yeah yeah that thing was amazing play with them really um just open to playing with anybody Right. Like for me, I, I, I want to play everything and I kind of I play a lot of different things a lot more than what people realize. But um, again, my end goal is just to affect lives. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, I need to I need to learn everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I can get called for everything so I can be around people. Right. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on Earth. Those words were spoken by the recently deceased Muhammad Ali just recently passed away at the age of 74 as one of the greatest boxers to ever fight and one of the greatest athletes to ever grace this earth but more than his ability to fight was his passion for others that's more than anything else is what's going to go down in the history books and at the end of the day, that quote personifies really why we're here, to serve one another and to love on one another. Even if we lose sight of that, that's the whole point. And he personified that in his life. And so I wonder, much like Chaz and I were talking about throughout the course of the conversation, I wonder if everybody was using their God-given gifts and talents to really affect change on the world around them, even if it's a little bit, I wonder what would happen. At the end of the day, if you've got all of the talent in the world and all of the passion in the world, but it's not doing anything to help the person beside you, really what good is it at the end of the day? Muhammad Ali is somebody who will surely be missed. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Chapter 11 of Share the Story. This has been Playing from the Heart. 
If you guys are, have enjoyed the podcast, I really encourage you to go on iTunes, leave us a review, uh, leave us uh, some stars, give us a thumbs up on SoundCloud, all of that good stuff. We'd love to hear from you, and that kind of helps to spur us on and figure out exactly what, uh, who's listening, and, and so on and so forth. And uh, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for tuning in. The backing track is done by my man Jerry Blackwell, one of the illest MCs that you've never heard of. Go check him out on SoundCloud. That's Jerry Blackwell. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to share the story. I've been Michael Baylor. You're awesome. Thanks to Chaz for coming on the podcast. We'll catch you next time.